0: Welcome to Menu Feed, a bi-weekly podcast from Winsight Media's two food service brands, restaurant business and food service director. I'm Pat Coby, senior editor covering menu food and drink for both brands. Today I'm talking with Chris Scott, head chef at KFC. Chris has a varied background, educated and trained at Lake Cordon Blue, then earning a degree in food science and culinary nutrition at Johnson & Wales. As he celebrates his one year anniversary at KFC, he is poised to put his stamp on new menu items and line extensions. Chris believes his customers are ready for innovation, but his philosophy is that you can change flavor or change format, but you can change both at the same time. You have to give people something familiar to grab onto. He's eager to explore the wide array of Indian spices, flavors from Africa, and plant-based chicken platforms. Listen as Chris talks about his first year at KFC and where 2022 might lead him. Welcome Chris, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Well, let's start by you telling me a little bit about your culinary journey and the steps that led you to become head chef at KFC.
1: Yeah, so I started in the culinary industry over 20 years ago. I've pretty much always worked with food um, so i held other jobs and done other things while doing that, but always worked with food at, at the same time with it. So, but been doing that, went to, uh, Le Cordon Bleu in Atlanta, where I got an associate's degree in culinary arts, and then continued on to get my bachelor's degree in culinary nutrition with a dual specialization of food science and clinical dietetics from Johnson Wells out in Denver. Um, then have from there started working in R and D kind of. Jumped around to a few different places. Most recently uh, came from the startup company Freshly. um, And then about a year ago was given the opportunity to move back into QSR with KFC and jumped at the opportunity to do it and get back to the South and join this great company.
0: Super. So how does your experience influence what you do in your current position?
1: I think that everybody's experience influences who they are as a person, what they do in every aspect. So I've moved around my entire life. So the ability to be able to take all these different influences of different cuisine and you know, having worked with so many different chefs throughout the years to be able to kind of take all of those different attributes that uh, really kind of make up who I am today to be able to bring that to KFC and bring a very wide variety of different influences to it to really be able to kind of look to as we become more and more a global nation of just so many different cuisines that are brought uh, to people every single day to be able to have those influence, be able to understand some of those cultures a little bit more and really have it open up different opportunities for us.
0: So you mentioned that you started about a year ago in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. that
1: work out? Um, Uh, It actually from... Starting a job, this was probably the smoothest transition I've ever had with starting a new job. It's uh, which I never thought I would say with starting with a pandemic, but it was something where you know normally if you're in an office setting, there are so many different distractions going on all the time, and there's always those like one-off meetings where people are getting pulled and things are crazy. But because you know our innovation team was one of the few people or groups of people that were allowed in the building because we have to be in the kitchen, be able to do our job. We really, all the meetings were so focused whenever people had to like go to one, it was set up in advance. It wasn't something that was a last second getting pulled into it. So it really allowed for us to spend a lot of time to really, you know, the team was fantastic with getting me up to speed on everything KFC, understanding, you know, the culture, the brand, the, our food, where our, where we're looking for to move in the future and things along those lines, is really a unique opportunity with it. That, that worked out fantastically.
0: You also came on board in the thick of the chicken sandwich wars, which I've been writing a lot about. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know that KFC started developing its chicken sandwich pre-pandemic, but did you have any input into the creation or were you there when it was actually launched?
1: So I joined when it was pretty much solidified of what it was going to be. But I mean, everybody, the team did such a fantastic job with it to really look at every different aspect of it from, you know, what is our, what's the best breading that we should use with it, which we landed on the extra crispy, you know, making sure that we had those thick cut, uh, crinkle cut pickles to really allow for that bright freshness that you're getting Um, you know, our own mayo that we're using that's formulated specifically for us, the Colonel's Mayo, to really make sure that it's delivering on that creamy mouthfeel, you know, the the sweet brioche bun to really kind of balance some of the other flavors with it. It's, you know, the amount of time and attention that was put into it. And I, I don't think that if I was here, it would have necessarily come out any better. It's really, I think, the best chicken sandwich on the market.
0: Are you planning any future innovations on the chicken sandwich or any other chicken sandwiches?
1: Yeah, with how big of a growth in that sector we've had with this new chicken sandwich, it's something that we're always looking at and I'm sure that we will be having some uh, new line extensions coming down the road.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you think the chicken sandwich wars are over or are we going to see more chicken sandwiches coming down the pike?
1: I think that we're absolutely going to be seeing more chicken sandwiches down, coming down the pike. But I, I mean, I consider the war to be over. I feel that we want it and it's done, (laughs) but you know, every time a war's over, there still continues to be some battles after the fact. So (laughs) I look at it as there's absolutely going to be that. And, you know, I I think that it really set us up for in the future where people really push their innovation with it and saw that, you know having this internal competition amongst all these different restaurants i think made all of us better it really made us all focus on you know what is best for the customer what is the absolute best product that we can put out so i i hope that they continue in lots of different categories and that we continue to have things like that happen
0: it looks like chicken nuggets might be the next thing <laughs> <laughs> next yep, field or whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean you know chicken nuggets are definitely something that you're seeing a lot of people come out with. and you know it's it's always interesting to see where uh, where the consumers who really push where the next war is going to be, where they feel it's going to be. So mm-hmm.
0: Well, I've you know heard a lot about chicken supply challenges and I'm sure you have too. Um, Your sandwich uses boneless chicken breast fillets and there's been kind of an erratic supply of those. So how are you dealing with that?
1: Yeah. You know, I think that we have an amazing uh, team of our supply chain team is really just fantastic. And our supply partners are great. I'm fortunate in that in my role, I don't have to deal much with what kind of supply chain issues are we having? Uh, I, I hear about things going on, but you know, I, I'm lucky in that I get to stay out of those conversations and out of the weeds with it. So I think that, you know, our team has really done a fantastic job of ensuring that we can have product, um, and ensuring that it's product that meets our standards. I know a lot of companies lowered what they feel like what their standard should be. And it was not something that we were willing to do.
0: And are you, um, I mean, at this point, you have enough chicken breast fillets to cover, you have quite a number of locations. So,
1: <laughs> you know, it's not something that I am in the loop on to where I'd feel comfortable commenting about it. Um, but I, you know, I, as far as I've heard, we're in a good spot.
0: Oh, good. And yeah. is the chicken sandwich is a permanent menu item now? Is that correct?
1: Uh, That is what I've heard with it. I've heard no discussion of it being removed. It has grown sales quite a bit. I would be shocked if there was any plans to remove it. So no conversation that I have been a part of or heard anything about is that we plan on taking that off the menu.
0: And is it in your global locations too?
1: Yeah. So there are global chicken sandwiches that are um, with KFC. Um, Some of them are a little bit different just based on, you know, what is the local palate like and what, so everybody has a little bit of a different menu with it, but yes, there are chicken sandwiches globally.
0: Cool. And some of the other chains started using boneless thighs or other dark meat parts. I know they use a lot of dark meat in your buckets and other items, but have you ever thought about using boneless
1: thighs in a menu item? You know, I, I think that boneless thighs are something that right now the U.S. as a whole is not ready for. Um, I, I I do know that there are a lot of restaurants that are doing that, and I personally think that a big part of that push—if you saw it—most of them came out during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, there are smaller locations that are doing it, and uh, you know, but I think that overall. The general perception of uh, the U.S. consumer is that boneless chicken breast is the highest quality and the best uh, cut of chicken. So whether you know everybody agrees with that or not, it still doesn't change the fact that that's where we are as a nation.
0: Right. And how about um, globally? I know in Asia, they like dark meat a lot. Are you using dark meat fillets over there?
1: Um, I'm not entirely sure on what everyone uses internationally. Um, I specifically am focused on the US market with it. So it's, I'm not sure what everyone does throughout the world with it. But I believe that some places are using dark meat in a variety of different ways, but I'm not 100% positive.
0: And I mean, since you've been on board, I know you've seen a huge increase in takeout and delivery because that happened all over during the pandemic. So how has that impacted the R&D you do on menu items?
1: So I, we're kind of in a unique position with that. You know, if you look at it, the big change that happened with specifically in the QSR region, is which has always been the majority being takeout, but it's more based around the family meal. Well, we were always designed to be a family meal. I mean, it's the bucket's been around for a long time. It was designed to travel for you to pick it up, take it home, and eat it with your family. So I think that we were in a unique position where that was already our business model for the most part. I mean, it's how we started, was really pushing a lot of eating as a family. So I, I think that it really played into a lot of our strengths that were there from the beginning.
0: Mm. And during the pandemic, did you introduce any new kinds of packaging? I know the bucket is kind of your iconic package, but how about for some of the other items like the chicken sandwich?
1: Yeah, so I mean, you know, like with earlier things, everything was already designed to be to go with it and take home and travel and things along those lines. But yeah, the chicken sandwich with that being a new uh, item for us it is something that we did specifically design packaging around it. Um, you know, it's a foil pouch, and that really ensures that you're going to get a super hot, you know, delicious sandwich every single time. And you know, we have a team of packaging engineers that are amazing and you know, top in class that really understand the fact that like packaging is all about delivering the best possible product to the consumer. So if it's it's really something that we take a food first um, approach to everything that we do.
0: Have you developed any, I mean, not you personally, but have, uh, has KFC brought in any new kinds of materials or packaging solutions? I know that's also been a supply chain issue.
1: Um. So I'm not completely aware of everything that they do as far as like new materials and things along those lines. Um, But I do know like that we are obviously sustainability is a big thing to everyone across the world and we are no different with that. And, you know, if you look at a lot of our packaging, like our um, side containers and things along those lines that are you know, have more of that plastic appearance and feel. If you look at them, they actually say that they're dishwasher safe and reusable. And I think that that's something that's fantastic. That if you're getting something like a side item or the macaroni and cheese, if you get a bigger one of it, if you want to save it, you know, put it in the fridge, they're microwave safe, that you can put it in the microwave, you can put it on the top shelf when you're done and use it in your dishwasher and reuse it. I mean, because to me, reusing is the truest sense of recycling.
0: Right. As far as the sides go, are you um, innovating um, along those lines now in your R&D efforts? Are you thinking of up some new sides?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that we're all taking the approach of everything is on the table. So Mm -hmm. it's really, you know, I, I, I think that the chicken sandwich really proved to us that looking at everything and making sure that it's the absolute best possible item that it can be is how you're going to win in any type of getting new consumers like I, you know it's food first make sure it makes business sense absolutely but the only way it makes business sense is if it makes sense culinarily and that we're delivering a great product to our consumers so i mean new side items i, I think are always something that we're going to be looking at and not only that but taking a hard look at the current side items that we have are they best in class So it's really all about making sure that we're delivering the best possible product to our consumers.
0: It's kind of tricky to balance innovation with the need for value and familiarity because people love their comfort sides, I'm sure, and they go back to the same ones. So how do you introduce new sides and get people to try them?
1: So I'm a strong believer in possibly the best approach to take is that you look at, you can change flavor, you can change format, you can't change both. So if it's one of those of, if you wanna introduce a new flavor profile that people aren't familiar with, then you need to put it in a familiar format. If if you wanna introduce something that's a completely new format that people aren't familiar with, you need to make sure that you're delivering on a flavor profile that people are familiar with. That way they have a foothold of something to kind of grasp onto and understand it well. Once they have that and they become familiar and it's successful, then you can start introducing to where it's, okay, we've now somewhat made this new format a little bit more common. So we can look at new flavors with it and things along those lines. But that's really the approach that I think uh, will lead us to the most success.
0: Can you talk about any flavors or ingredients that are inspiring you right now?
1: As you- uh, you (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, the world is inspiring when it comes to that. So for me, You know, Asia, I think, is absolutely having its big moment. Um, You look at things around Korean food. I mean, gochujang, whether it's gochujang or gochugaru, you know, Korean barbecue. I mean, kimchi is going crazy. It's Korean food is becoming huge. But the other part of that is also coming from Asia that you're seeing tons around is things like banh mi is growing like crazy and Indian spices. I think that Indian food has a potential to be a massive sector that, you know, really, we're really starting to grasp onto now as a nation of, you know, you're seeing more and more Indian takeout. Mini um, Chohan has uh, multiple restaurants in Nashville, but I'm a huge fan of going to um, the her masala and Alehouse house and it's fantastic and she does really interesting takes of you know having a southern influence but being super traditional as far as indian flavor profiles and things like that and you know if you would have told me 10 years ago that there would be a widely successful indian restaurant in nashville i would have thought people were crazy so that, that i think has is proving a lot with it and then the other big sector that i think is a little bit further out is flavors coming out of Africa. I mean, you look at things like Berbera and that is growing like crazy. So I think that those Asia continuing, but African influence, I think is going to be huge.
0: So how can you make these flavors mainstream enough for the KFC customer? I mean, is that something, would you introduce an Indian spice to a chicken preparation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's all about how you combine it and how you talk about it. So just because it's influenced by an Indian spice doesn't mean it needs to be a hundred percent authentic Indian spice. So it's a matter of like, okay, we have our recipe that of different things that we think are really strong. You know, is it something that is going into a sauce in order to make it so that there's just that little bit of hit of something different that you can't quite put your finger on. That's an Indian spice to step into it or, you know, is it something like using gochugaru in a sauce or gochujang in a sauce, like any of these different types of things? Or come, I mean, Berbera in sauces, I think, is a slam dunk one to be able to do in the future, um, in the future being the key word with that. But, you know, there's there's so many different options. And I mean, the spice world is endless. It's, there are so many different options that we have.
0: Do you travel at all? To I mean, not during the pandemic, obviously, but do you go to other countries to get inspiration or other regions of the U.S.?
1: I, yes, I'm. Uh, I love to travel. It's one of my favorite things to do, and I travel specifically for food. So most of my locations are based off of food. Not traveled anywhere near as much as I'd like internationally, but um, it's funny because so many of my friends say, "Yeah, you don't travel. You just move there." <laughs> so just because I've lived so many different places that where everybody else travels, I just pick up, move there and do that. But yeah.
0: <laughs> so without giving away any secrets, what are some of the LTOs or new menu items that you're working on now? Can you talk about some of them?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the big one that we're looking at is Beyond Chicken, you know, I, If you look at where the market is moving with any type of plant-based protein, it's constantly growing. So, and it's something that we did do a market test. So I think that, you know, that was a successful market test and I I would stay tuned for the future to see what comes of that.
0: And what are your consumers seeking? Do they, do you do like surveys with them to see what kinds of items they really want? I mean, plant-based is obviously something that consumers are asking for. Um, I didn't realize that KFC consumers would be asking for it, but obviously they are. So what else are they looking for?
1: Yeah, you know, we're always doing market research. So whether it's, you know, working with our supply partners and to see, you know, around specific flavor profiles or around, you know, any type of thing, you know, different side items or, you know, what doing research of do we have the best in class of different side items, anything along those lines, we're constantly in communication with our consumers. And not only that, but we're also talking to who we view as our potential consumers. So people who are not eating KFC currently that we want to eat KFC. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think that we, it's always important that we look at our current consumer. I mean, you wanna make sure that you're keeping them happy. But we want to grow as a company. And the only way that you do that is to get more people excited about it.
0: Are you? Do you do LTOs to get people excited or to test out a new idea?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those types of options we're always open to. I mean, I think the pandemic has, you know, obviously put an adjustment on everybody's viewpoint of when and how we should launch things and, you know, it has it has slowed down everybody with making adjustments to see how things shake out. So, but no, we're LTOS and you know looking at different platforms in which we can do things are always on the table for us.
0: Mm-hmm. And as we head into 2022, which is really getting closer.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> so amazingly close. I don't know how we're already that close.
0: Glad, it seems. <laughs> yes what are you most looking forward to both personally and professionally as you enter your second year at kfc
1: yeah so i mean for me i you know i just bought a house so personally like being able to get that set up exactly how i want to and you know i am obviously going to expand the kitchen (laughs) because who doesn't ever do that if they're a chef they always want to expand their kitchen so do that but i mean you know, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back to traveling again. And both personally and professionally, you know, we work with so many amazing supply partner chefs that I still haven't been able to meet in person. So mm-hmm. to be able to go and work with them and, you know, being able to go do dine arounds again, going to travel to eat and, I, you know, visit friends who I haven't seen in years. So it's weird saying that I now have friends that I haven't seen in two years because of the pandemic. So, Hopefully one day that's coming back.
0: <laughs> do you have a favorite type of restaurant that you like to visit?
1: Like, uh, That's want? tough. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, I, I love food. And the second that I find a restaurant that I think is my favorite, I find another one that is amazing or a different type of food that I didn't know about or that I fall in love with. So, I mean, it's really tough for me to pick one.
0: Thanks so much for sharing all those inspirational ideas and thoughts, Chris. Please join us for another episode of Menu Feed as we explore more food and drink trends. The podcasts are now available to download on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.